It's good. Yeah. My name is Chris Raymer. I'm a recovered alcoholic. It's good to see you. I uh, can y'all hear me all right? That's all right. It's good to be in California. This is my first trip to California, and uh, I, um, yeah, I haven't seen uh, haven't seen Pamela Anderson yet, but uh, I, I, I uh, I've seen some close seconds. That's for a fact. Aren't there any ugly women in California? Probably not. Probably not. I, uh, I'm delighted to be here. I want to, to thank Donna and, and uh, Lily. Uh, they were so organized doing this. I mean, they called me ages ago, and I got to book this, and, and uh, I'm delighted to, to have gotten a chance to come, to come share with you guys. You cats celebrating yearly birthdays. Uh, how cool is that to watch? Um, gotten a chance to talk to some of you cats, and uh, a lot of y'all are, are on the page. I want to go to this group. I, 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 I want to, I, I bet y'all are hated in California. I, I, I it, it, Big Book Thumpers as a, as a rule are, are kind of looked down on as strange bugs, you know, and um, that's the way it is. I, uh, my, my buddy uh, Mark and Lori uh, uh, picked me up this afternoon and just kind of showed me around the town a little bit and I, I want to thank them for, for being such great buds. Um, Cool. I'm going to be talking to my wife about this tonight, tell her all the cool things I saw, and I'll be sure to tell her I didn't see Pamela Anderson because she's worried about that. And I'm... Someday I'm going to meet the woman. I have no idea what I'm going to do other than drool. Perhaps I, I, gotta... I tell you what I am going to do tonight. First thing, I'm, I'm going to tell her. We were in Eaton, had a nice dinner down there at the little restaurant. Marie Callender is down here before we came over here to the, to the, to the place. And... and um, uh, I, I can't wait to tell her unisex bathrooms. Now, buddy, I'm gonna tell you, I come from the country, you know, and I I walk into the bathroom, I'm looking for the little guy with the pants on. I need to go bad. It's like, and they got one with a girl on it, and one with a guy, and it's like, where, where do I go? What do I do? You know, I, Mark was sitting there, says, just go on in, buddy. I, you, you need a tour guide to come to California. Y'all think I'm joking? It just freaks me out. I mean, I like to think of myself as being pretty open-minded, but uh... <laughs> I uh, I got sober November thirteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, and uh, I uh, I need to say this: I, I'm a, a lot of y'all have heard CDs of mine, and I, I'm gonna I, I I try today when I speak from the podium to to kind of do this little disclaimer going in, so nobody gets offended. And of course, it's impossible for me to talk without somebody getting offended. And so I want to offer some of you the opportunity to leave now. And um, <laughs> I um. I'm pretty passionate about recovery. I, uh, it took me about seven years to finally get a, a, a 30-day chip in the fellowship. And uh, it took me seven years to get sober, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And, um, and I work for a treatment center. I do clerical work for a treatment center. And I watch hundreds of people come in there uh, hoping that they paid a big chunk of change to get well, only to watch them walk off campus and not do anything we ask them to do, fall flat on their butt, and a lot of them die. And, and I'm, 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 I just need to tell you that I am the person on page 21. I'm the real alcoholic. And, and I don't care where I'm speaking. I don't care what country I'm speaking in. I don't care what state I'm speaking in. A little group, big group, it doesn't make any difference. There are people in the audience that are not 
that are not alcoholic. And you will not be able to relate to this talk. I am as rigid a big book thumper as there is. I believe that the, that the prefaces that we read before the meeting and the traditions that we read before the meeting means what it says. We have one, one primary purpose. That's to carry the message of hope to the newcomer. And the message of hope in Alcoholics Anonymous is the 12 steps. So, if you believe that uh, the message of Alcoholics Anonymous is coming to a meeting and sharing about your day, you, you need to go get you a cup of coffee and go smoke for 45 minutes. Nobody got up, you know. <laughs> so don't come up after the meeting. You offended me. I'm, I'm warning you now. I'm telling you. You know, that's the cool thing. See, because you, you don't have to agree with everything I say. I'm not representing Alcoholics Anonymous up here. I'm here, up here to share my story. And my story is going to be different than your story. I mean, that's, we all come here from different ways of life, different avenues. Some of us took a lot of drugs. Some of us didn't take any drugs. Some of us were abused. Some of us were not. Some of us are from Texas. Some of us are not. You know, it's like, you know, I understand that even Yankees get sober too. So, I mean, I... I, I I'm married to one, so I can say anything I want about Yankees. I, it's, it comes with the territory. But I, I just want you all to know, because I love every one of you, and I, I'm honored to know you, and, and, and I, just, I, just, I, just feel, uh, I just feel compelled. We were talking at lunch with, uh, with dinner tonight with Frank and some of the guys from the, from the groups, and, and, and we were sharing about our legacy and, and how so many people had gone before us and how a lot of those people are dying off, you know, some of the old-timers. I mean, look at that. You know, we had a lot of new sobriety in this room. We've got a lot of good old sobriety, too, and thank you for staying, you know. But after 40 years, you know, they dropped through the cracks. Not too many people out there left anymore. I mean, who's going to pick up the, uh, the old gauntlet and run with it, you know? Uh, let me tell you who it is. It's the cat that was up here picking up a year chip. And to think that you get off the hook, you're wrong. You're wrong. Every single person in this room has a responsibility. I believe that. Some of us are just going to take it a little more seriously than others. And this is what I want to talk about tonight. So I'm going to say this so I can get in there and tell my story. I don't want to keep you long. And I'm just... I'm delighted to be here, and I love you, and I, I got cards, and I'd love to give you a card, and you can stay in touch with me, and after I get back to Texas, you can email me and tell me how I offended you, and, and I'll, I'll, be more, I'll be more than glad to make amends wherever I can, but, I, but I, I can't change my story. I can't change my experience. You down with that? I, 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 um, I was raised uh, up in Central Texas, in Kerrville, Texas, in a small little town, and uh, uh, it's where, where I'm, I'm living back there now, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice place to be. It's kind of inbred, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't, y'all are all welcome to come visit. I don't know why you'd want to leave the Garden of Eden here to come to Texas. You know, it's, it's, I mean, we don't have Pamela Anderson's. What the heck? I don't know. I, um, I uh, was in a, 
started drinking in high school, and, and I got an identical twin brother, and, and, and he's an alcoholic too in recovery, and, and uh, uh, came from a great home. My father was an alcoholic, was a periodic, and, which is real frustrating for those of you that have been around periodics. But about the time they get your hope up, you know, they drop you on your butt, and it's, it's and, and it, it was a wonderful man. There was no weirdness in our family, and we were raised in the church, and it was just a nice home. And, and uh, mom's a professional artist and still alive today, and, and kicking butt, and, and it's just. Uh, um, Went to Houston to, to be an uh, apprentice. Uh, brother and sister went to college, and, and I went to to University of Hard Knocks in Houston, Texas, learning how to be a chef, and, and did, and, and was quite successful at that for a lot of years. I'm I'm one of those those cats that we would call functioning alcoholics. I see a lot of you guys driving these big big fancy bikes out here. I would call you're a functioning alcoholic, buddy. I'm going to tell you, you came into this thing with some money, maybe, and. Uh, I'd have times where I was making some money and being pretty successful, and then I'd have times when I was eating out of dumpsters in Houston, Texas. And it's like, and I'd, I'd move a lot, you know, trying to get away from um, me. <laughs> and um, wasn't quite successful at that a lot of times. I, uh, I, um, over a period of 20 years drinking and drugging, uh, my disease gradually progressed to such a point uh, that it got to be intolerable. And I, and I eventually got to a place where I couldn't cook anymore, and I was working for my twin brother. And, and I want to talk some about that. But um, uh, I had this real problem, and I could see it early on. Um, when I would get as early as like 19 years old, I was calling Alcoholics Anonymous because I knew I had a problem. I knew because I was drinking more than anybody else. And I was the last one in the bar. And I mean, I was just, I was just, it, and the depression was kicking my behind. The only time that I wasn't depressed and wanting to come apart at the seams, the spiritual malady that you, you so wonderfully mentioned, that the book talks a lot about, and we don't ever hear in our meetings a lot of places, was eating me alive. And I was seeing counselors and therapists and from an early age. My, by my mid-20s, I was already seeing counselors and therapists. And thank God for them. They helped me through a lot of crises in my life. And all of them self-imposed, as the book says. And um, I had a problem with women. I had a problem with women. I, I, uh, I, uh, we were laughing earlier. I did a workshop last night on sane, sound, sex ideal. And I was thinking back what my sane, sound, sex ideal was for women. Most of my drinking history was, was real simple. You could line it in one line. They were the women that said yes. You know, but the way to, you, didn't, you didn't have to have a lot, of, a lot of qualities. You just had to be a willing participant. And, um, and if you made the mistake of going out with me twice, it was hostage taking 101. You know, and I was, I was one of the original stalkers. You know, I... I uh, uh, Y'all need to understand, alcoholism, as the book describes it, is, is, is not a lot about drinking. I mean, I know it's, it's, ultimately it's about a, a, a bottle of booze in a dark room and what's the answer going to be. I understand that. But, but ultimately what it is is this, this internal discomfort that I have to treat. And normal people don't understand that. They drink because they're happy or they drink because they're sad. I drink because I'm awake. You know, you know what I mean? I don't... I don't. I hear people in treatment all the time. I'm, I'm a big fan of treatment, but I mean, I get so sick and tired of listening to this. You know, Ooh, you tri- something's going to trigger you. You know, and it's like, you know, <laughs> we sit down and talk about it. I mean, you know what? Come on, guys, what doesn't trigger us? You know, and it's, it's like for an alcoholic to make a list of the things that triggers us. You're going to be there a long time making a list. <laughs> Book says we drink and drug for the effect produced by the chemical. Y'all with us? 
I, I, and that's the bottom line. I don't, I don't drink to get, to get, to get shit faced. I don't drink to get loaded. I drink to get right inside. I don't, I don't want to get, guys, when I get loaded, I knock on a girl's door and I've been drinking all day long, you know, if I'm loaded, I, she answers the door and my patches on crooked, you know, and I look like, I look like I'm wearing an earmuff, you know, and it's, I scratch a bit, you know, and it's like, I, I, I want to drink just enough to become John Travolta, you know, and come, and and guys, early on when I was drinking, I could hit that target every time. When I drank, it fixed what was wrong with me. I don't care what was going on in my life. I was cool when I was, when when it was working. And that's, that's what was so frustrating because because of the progression of the illness, it stops working. And this is what, what what I want to say is that drunk or sober, alcoholism will kill you. And it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like. People don't want to hear that. They want to, I hear people in meetings all the time, and it's, it's one of my soapboxes when I do workshops. We've got to get to a, a place in our fellowships where people stop sharing opinions with us because opinions are what's killing us. You know, if you, if you didn't drink today, you've had a successful day. Well, that's crap. <laughs> I, no, I'm sorry. If, if all we have to offer you is a dry day, then you have missed the boat. That's not what this literature talks about. This literature talks about getting connected to a power greater than yourself, which will rocket you into a thing called the fourth dimension. And I used to listen to that and roll my eyes and say, boy, you have sold some LSD. You know, I, you know, I, I want to make light of this, you know, but the truth of the matter is, when I finally got sober in 1987, I mean, my life changed drastically. And I mean, I, for the 17 years... It has been a wonderful ex- experience, and, and, I, and I want everybody to experience that. But everybody's just don't drink. No matter what, just don't drink. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy Reagan. <laughs> I'm eating out of dumpsters in Houston, Texas, you know, and it's like, why, why didn't I? Who knew? You know what? <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Just don't drink. The book says clearly on page 24, I have lost the power to choose whether I'm going to do this or not. I have a disease, folks. I have an absolutely diagnosable illness. The young adults in here that are 17 years old, I can diagnose them with alcoholism and drug addiction by asking them two questions. The old coots in here, black people, gay people, straight people, I don't give a rat's I don't care. I can ask you two questions and diagnose you with alcoholism and drug addiction. And I don't have to hear one stupid war story. I'm not going to ask you how many DWIs have you had? Did you ever black out? I don't have to ask you any of those questions. I don't have to ask you any drama. Two questions. Book talks about it three different places. When you drink, can you control how much you drink every time? Can you guarantee me how much you're going to drink every time? Sometimes. Chris, it's a yes or no question. <laughs> My sponsor's good at that. Chris, stop with the essay question, Bubba. Yes or no? Because it's in it the truth. Can't, haven't sometimes we've been able to do it? Go have a couple of drinks and be done. Early on in my in, when I was drinking, I could do it often. Towards the end, not so often. See, couldn't guarantee you how much I was going to drink. No, I can't. All right, next question. Given sufficient reason, you're in trouble, it's affecting your health, somebody that you love to ask you to stop. Can you stop on your own power? Have you been able to quit and stay quit? 
When it's not in your body, there's no phenomenon of craving going on here. When you're dry for a few months, can you stay that way? No. Welcome to the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> See, but that's what we used to do in the olden days. We used to qualify the drunk. We don't do that anymore. When I got to this fellowship in 1987, after a little domestic disturbance, I came back trying to save a marriage. This was, excuse me, it was early 80s, about 1980, up in North Texas. And I walked in a room, and the guy says, You have a problem with alcohol? And I said, yeah. He said, welcome. And I sat down, stopped shaking for a few minutes, kind of shy, nervous, didn't really want to be there, but knew I needed to do something. You with us? You'll get the picture? And then they went around the room and, and shared with me, out of so much love, all the terrible things they did under the influence of alcohol, none of which I could relate to. You with me? They started War Story Central. Well, I've had a, a DWI. I'm sitting there drinking my coffee. I've never had a DWI. Well, I blacked out and had two DWIs. Went to the penitentiary. Never did that. I beat my wife. Got fired from my job. Wound up on skid Never. Not me. Be with us? Everybody's just outdoing each other. Last guy that shares. I'm a... Child molesting mass murderer, and I, I, I'm, I'm over there going, check, 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 check. That's, thank you, thank y'all, appreciate it. Glad you're here. Picked up a desire chip, walked out, and said, Boy, I tell you, those people need that meeting, I guarantee you. Nobody asked me the right question. This grinds some of you. You think it's your right to come into meetings and share war stories? We were talking about it today at lunch. You know, war stories are a great thing to have. And they're a wonderful thing to have, especially if you're doing a thing called a 12-step call. Somebody that's never been around the fellowship and you want to get some identification going. But if a guy comes into the meeting and he's here, what are we trying to do? Scare him into recovery? Because there's no chapter. Last time I looked, let me see if I can see it in here. Into scare. It's got to be here someplace. <laughs> no. No, there's a great chapter called A Vision for You. And that's what we need to be doing in our meetings is pulling the newcomer with a vision of how cool life can be. Everybody that walks in the door knows what it's like to be, to be out there and be in a mess. We think we want to just commiserate. The book says on page 17, it's one element of the cement, but that alone is not going to keep us together. It's our common solution that holds us together. Can anybody give me some hope that I can wake up one of these mornings and not obsess about alcohol? That's all I wanted to hear. Didn't hear it for seven years. My story, my experience, maybe you landed in a big book group like this and heard it the first time. I didn't. I heard an endless litany of war stories. All we have is our story. All we have is our story. No, we have a thing called a big book. Uh. I'm too far from Texas to do this. I need to back out of this. Yeah, all you big boys that said you got my back, where are you now? You know? I'm not trying to be rough here. I'm just saying it's a cool thing. We watch, we watch, I tell you where it's the toughest on, on the young adults and on the women. Women's stories a lot of times are not as bad as the men. And they come in here and the first thing one of those little hairy leg boys want to do is share how many times they've been in the penitentiary. Ladies at a noon meeting, she just took off lunch. She knows she's having trouble drinking. She wants to hear some hope, but she's not going to hear any hope in this meeting. All she's going to hear is another stupid war story. 
When are we going to understand that the book tells us what to do in a meeting? I, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what the book says on page 34. It says, it says if you can stay sober on a non-spiritual basis, you're not one of us. If you can stay sober because it got bad on you out there, how nice for you. But if you're the real alcoholic, real drug addict, you're not going to hit that bottom. Because you're going to get caught in that mental blank spot and start using again three weeks, four weeks, two days, an hour after you've made a commitment to absolutely stop. Can y'all get down with that? And the only thing that's going to treat that is this thing called a spiritual experience. Oh, we don't want to talk about God. We might scare the newcomer off. Yeah, so let's just don't talk about God and just kill him instead. It's just, it just it freaks me out. Seven years in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous. We do the war story business until the cows come home. Then you know what we'd do? It's the best. We'd start the, the junior therapy session. Making some of you uncomfortable now, aren't I? <laughs> Guys. Book says we're supposed to talk about the spiritual experience. We're supposed to talk about the 12 steps. Book clearly states we have to be careful how we help the newcomer because they're going to start depending on us rather than God. What we want to do, our job as a fellowship, is get them to connect to God as quick as possible so that God can remove the obsession. Last time I looked, no human could remove the obsession to drink. I sit in this hospital. We got a thousand patients through there a year at this hospital. Nice place. And I get to listen to these people. And they walk in and, they, and, and they're sitting down in SEU. You know, they're, they're getting their detox meds. And they look up on the wall and there's 12 steps there. And they go, oh, no. More AA with us. It's like, what? Yeah, we're 12-step based treatment center. I, I'm out of here. I'm going. I've tried AA. It doesn't work. Because if I've got to sit in that room and listen to one more person whine about their problems, I'm going to die. What did, the, what did the old-timers do? Ask any of the old-timers that are around uh, the, this area. I can assure you they'll tell you. They talked about the 12 steps. They talked about God. They pulled people with a vision. They encouraged people to finish this work rapidly. Ooh, you, you can't work the steps rapidly. <laughs> Take your time to work the steps. This is not a, you didn't get sick overnight, you're not going to get well overnight. <laughs> so who died and left you God, huh? You're going to tell me? It's not my experience. I'm sitting in these meetings listening to people talk about their problems. i got to mention this. You know, you, you read the traditions. Well... The tradition that says that we have one primary purpose to carry the message of hope. We talk about singleness of purpose. I don't know if y'all do this here in California. In Texas, if you're a drug addict and you come into one of our AA meetings and you start talking about smoking crack cocaine, they'll shut you down in a heartbeat because of singleness of purpose. We're here to talk about our problems with alcohol. They may not do that here. But we, we don't have a problem doing that in Texas. Y'all with us? But yet you can come into that meeting and talk about your stupid divorce one more time. <laughs> Anytime you want. Just let it rip. That's how, that's how most of our meetings in Texas are. Open discussion meetings. It's just like that. Just, they, open discussion meetings have, have practically killed Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Because you can go into AA and say anything you want. I can talk about anything I want. Well, I'm not having a very good day. No, let me tell you something. The guy sitting in the back of the room that's detoxing, he's not having a very good day. You're just going through a thing called life. Why don't you come before the meeting or after the meeting and let's talk about that till the cows come home. But during this hour, why don't we do what we're supposed to do and try to help that guy back there detox it? Is that... I, I don't know. I, I was sitting in... Uh, I was working for my twin brother. I got to do this because I only got 45 minutes with you. I'm watching this close. I... I um, was working for my twin brother up in North Texas. I'd been drinking for nearly 20 years and uh, uh, later in drugging. Uh, cocaine figured into my story pretty heavily. I was in the food business and there's a hell of a cash flow in the food business. You know, you could, and uh, I'm bankrupt in one restaurant after another, uh, reaching in the till. And um, some of y'all have done that. And um, I, uh, I'm not a happy camper. I'm seeing, uh, again, I'm seeing a counselor or two and uh, I'm always seeing a counselor talking about my issues. Uh, I'm convinced, that's why we have the little issue man buttons. I'm convinced that issues, um, if I could get all my little problems solved, that I wouldn't have to drink. Treatment centers are based on that philosophy. And a lot of our meetings dovetail into that now. And, and they shouldn't. Because the book says quite clearly, wife or no wife, job or no job, we can, you with, y'all, yeah? How many of you guys drank a drug when life was going great? Raise your hand. Okay, scientific experiment. How many of you drank a drug when life was going crappy? <laughs> Same hands. Hmm. Hmm. So why is it that we want to spend all of our time trying to figure out how to organize our life? I mean, I'm convinced if I had a perfect woman, a perfect job, nice house, nice pickup truck, everything cool, then I could get sober and stay sober. You know, and I spend all these times talking to the therapist about this business. Again, I'm not knocking the therapist, but I mean, gee, we're, we're trying to accomplish something that's not going to... Does anybody think that you're ever going to have a perfect life? If you think you're delusional, if you think that, I mean, life is a bear. It get, I, I'm, I'd sit on those therapist couches and we'd talk endlessly about... We'd talk about growing up in the hill country, you know... It's, we talk about having an identical twin. We talked about mom and dad. We talked about little sister. We talked about that sheep. We, we talked. <laughs> we, we just won. <laughs> Don't make it sound like I'm a deviant or something. I, y'all are the ones with unisex bathrooms. I don't know what to tell you. We talked a lot about Vietnam, Frank. We were talking about Vietnam. We talked a lot about it in theory, Vietnam. I was a guy of the 60s and 70s, and it was a Vietnam era, and I had a lot of friends. I'd never been to Vietnam, ever, you know, but we talked a lot about it. You know, we, we talked a lot about, I've said this from the podium a million times. It makes some of you uncomfortable. We, we talked a lot about my sexuality. You down with this? We, we, every therapist I ever went to um, looked at the possibility that I might be gay. wanted to be gay. I, I, need to tell <laughs> I, 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 I want to be something so that he can look at me and says, aha, that's why you're drinking. See? And then I can do some good therapy around that and get well and go back out there and drink socially like all my buddies. It's not working. 1987, I uh, 
uh, drove back up to my little apartment after a day's work, and it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, left, went got a 12-pack of beer, went to my little apartment, picked up a stack of return checks, and uh, <laughs> they do this in California. They put them all on individual envelopes so you can open each one. Well, that's, you know. And um, I'm sitting there, guys. i got about a six-pack in me, and I've got all these return checks, and I'm 35 years old, and I'm, I weigh about 60 pounds more, 40, 50 pounds more than I weigh now, and it's all right here. i got kidney damage and liver damage. Uh, some say brain damage. Uh, I... I I am not a happy camper. The depression's kicking my butt. I'm taking seven pills a day. Uh, Anti this, anti that. You with us? Um, Got up, went to the medicine cabinet, uh, took down a bunch of Valium that I'd been stockpiling and drank them down. Uh, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep looking at myself in the mirror and saying I'm not going to drink anymore and doing it. I can't keep telling my mom and dad that I'm not going to do this anymore and doing it. I can't keep telling the women I'm living with, the women I love, that I'm not going to do this anymore and doing it. I am hopeless. I've been to AA. I've been to church. I've been to therapy. Nothing Works. I heard a voice that night that said, Chris, don't do it. Go back to AA. Don't know what I heard. Heard a voice that said, Chris, don't do it. Go back to AA. Scared me. Small apartment. I could see the whole apartment in, my, in this window, in this mirror that I'm looking at in the front of the bathroom. And I'm looking. Who, Chris, don't do it. Go back to AA. I'm looking under the bed. Who's what? It's a voice. Made myself sick. Laid down. Right before I dozed off, right before I passed out, Chris, don't do it, go back to AA. Next morning I woke up, first thing I heard was, Chris, don't do it, go back to AA. Got up, called the doctor, got some doggy downers, called my brother, told him I'd be late. Made a commitment that the next, that night I would go back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I did. I'd never been to this meeting before. A, a guy in AA had showed it to me one time. He picked me up after a blackout. And uh, things had gotten pretty nasty. And uh, I uh, drove up to this meeting at 6 o'clock, cold November night up in North Texas, and uh, walked in the back door. You know how you do when you walk into a room and everybody's laughing, and you, know, and you feel real self-conscious? You take a shy person like me who is truly shy and walk into a room like that, and you've, all you want to do is scream. You know, I, can't, I don't want to walk into this place. And I'm uncomfortable, and I stink. I haven't bathed in days, and I'm, I'm just I'm self-conscious as I can be. And they're all laughing. And a little girl about 19 years old gets between me and the door, and she said, sit down, cowboy. The meeting's fixing to start. Huh. Call me a lot of things. Don't call me a cowboy. I, I, she set me down in a chair, and uh, they'd seen me up in North Texas for seven years picking up desire chips. I'd picked up hundreds of desire chips. They knew who I was. And I recognized some of their faces. Hey, hey, how you doing? They're all smoking, you know, the ceiling's lower, and, you know, is the. Because and they sat down, and they went around, and the chairperson said, you know, we got a newcomer in here coming back in from, from, an, from another relapse. And uh, every, all, every head in the place looked at me. You know, like, the, how did they know? It was... 
because I'm detoxing. I've got the shake so bad I can't hold a styrofoam cup. I'm squeezing coffee going straight up. I'm, I'm a little quick, you know, and I'm coming up. Oh, jeez. And a little girl sitting right there, the little 19-year-old girl sitting there patting me on the little leg and just saying, you know, just, just stick. Just don't run. Everything in me wanted to run. And they said, let's go around and uh, instead of telling us a bunch of stories uh, about our drinking, because Chris obviously knows how to drink, uh, why don't we talk about some ways our life has been changed as a result of working the steps. If there'd be, I'm convinced if there had been any other chairperson there that night, I'd have been dead tonight. You know, this, this guy knew what was going on. He, he had worked the steps. He had had a spiritual experience, and he knew I needed some hope. And they went around the room, and they shared some stuff about getting credit cards back. I'll never forget about being in relationships and about buying houses and about going back to school and about painting pictures and do it, it, all my head would say is like so many speakers say you know but you don't understand my case is different because I've got so many other things going on in my life and I just end of the meeting the guys all gathered around me and the old timer had some old glasses I'll never, he liked this his name was he looked over the glasses like that. And he says, Chris, uh, you want to stay sober the rest of your life? Are you done? Are you finished for good and for all? And I said, well, you know, who? It's <laughs> a bit much. Well, one day at a time. <laughs> he said, that's what I thought. He got his coffee and he left. Everybody else got their coffee and left. Y'all need to hear me. Because you see, the book says we live life one day at a time. I know we have a daily reprieve. I can't live off the spiritual experience I had 17 years ago. i got to have a spiritual experience today to stay sober. I'm with that. But the book says you got to make a commitment. And that's what we don't do anymore in our fellowship. We don't commit anybody. We don't qualify anybody. We just let them sit here until they get crazy enough and then leave. And then as they're walking out the door saying, yeah, he didn't want it. Could it possibly be that they weren't told how to get sober? Could it possibly be that a lot of well-meaning advice that didn't include the 12 steps sentenced them to death? I followed that man out in the coffee room. I said, buddy, ask me again. He said, Chris, are you done? Are you ready to stay sober the rest of your life? For good and for all, are you ready to try to do this? One day at a time, are you ready to try this? I said, yes, absolutely. And buddy, he hugged my neck and cried. And everybody got around and applauded just like y'all did for these birthday recipients. Because for the first time, I was going to stand on some solid ground and put some feet under me. I wasn't going to sit in a chair and tell you what I was going to do. I was going to show you what I was going to do. And these guys said, we'll show you how to do it. The next morning, they were on my doorstep to escort me back to the meeting. You with this? It wasn't this, keep coming back. It works if you work it. In my home group, we don't chant. We, we, we do the Lord's Prayer and we say, stay. You with us? I've been coming back for seven years and was nearly dead. Stay. We went to a 10 o'clock meeting. We went in the back room, four or five guys. We got on our knees and did a third step prayer. We went and got some Mexican food, came back. They gave me a notebook. We started working on a fourth step. Two days, I'm detoxing and we start working on a fourth step. Because those guys knew. Those guys knew that I was going to die if I didn't get connected to God. They loved me enough to tell me the truth. If I'd have boxed, they'd have turned me loose. 
But I was done balking. You see, guys, this last time when I went back to Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't have any contingency plans. I was planless. They, all the women were gone. Money was gone. Health was gone. Family was gone. I didn't have anything in my life. I, had, I was out of suggestions. They said, we'll show you how to do this, buddy. We'll walk you right straight through it. Thank God for those men and women that loved me enough to tell me the truth. You can't do it your way. This is not a... a, a, a I can't cuss in here either. I just... just. <laughs> this is not a cafeteria where we take what we want and leave the rest. I hear that in meetings all the time. These guys knew that if I didn't get in this and get involved, I would not stay. Working on a four-step. Two weeks later... They've got me doing 12-step work like that. They've got me answering the telephone in, 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 the, in the lobby up there, a little pay phone. He says, Chris, why don't you answer the phone tonight? I said, buddy, this is a Sunday. I came in Friday. I'm the newcomer. Remember me? I'm the most imper- important person here. <laughs> I'm already, guys, I'm three days away from a suicide attempt, and my ego is already rebuilding itself. I'm already figuring out a way. <laughs> I'm already figuring out, jockeying for position to figure out how I can get back in there and chase that good-looking woman and not have to stand out of here and do anything for you. The guy looked at me right straight in the face and said, Chris, you've been a taker all your life. You want to get well, you've got to start giving. Because it's by giving that we get to receive. I'm going to ask you one more time. Will you stay in here and answer the phone? And the, the phone rang. And, and he stood just like this and watched me. And I said, well, one of y'all better get it. It might be a 12-step call. He said, yeah, one of you better get it. I said, what do I do? He said, answer the, picked it up, answered, oh, Louisville group, Louisville group. It's, somebody wants a meeting schedule for all types. It's an Al-Anon on top of that. Where are the meeting schedules? <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a wreck. You know, it's my first 12-step call and it's an Al-Anon. I gotta, how cool. And it, I says, listen, we got He showed me where the schedule was. They didn't just didn't turn me loose on his phone. They they helped. They showed me how to do it. And I said, I gave her the. the he said, got one at seven thirty. He says, it's, and I'm talking to this lady, and I realize that I know her. I drink with her husband, you know. And so, she used to wear these high heel shoes. But this is, I'll never forget those high heel shoes she used to wear. But and I said, hey, and she said, is this Chris? And I said, I said, absolutely. She says, you're sober? I said, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I ain't got nothing else going. I'll wait for you. you. You remember what I looked like? I'll wait for you out front. And I did. I stood out there, waited for her to get there, showed her where the Al-Anon meeting was. And here's the difference, guys. I walked away from that meeting that night. You with us? Drove back up to my little apartment. And I got to tell you, I'm standing a little taller. Because for the first time... I'm a part of a, of, of a group of men and women trying to do some spiritual work. I'm not sitting on the stupid sidelines like I did for seven years. Two weeks after I got to that fellowship, back to that fellowship, two weeks, I drove home to my little house up in North Texas, the little apartment where I tried to commit suicide. And I got out of my truck and I set it on the tailgate of, the, of my old beat-up pickup truck. And I pulled the tailgate down and I sat on that deal. And it was one of those real cold November nights, you know, North Texas. You see your breath and big old full moon out there. was clear like it was tonight. And, 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 and I sat there and something was different. And I'm looking around and there's 7-Eleven and stop and go in a circle. All the places I drink. You with us? A bar over there I got a tab in. My cocaine dealer lives in the apartment complex where I live. It's Friday and I got a pocket full of money and I don't want to drink. 
I've told this story 50,000 times from the podium, and I can't say it without crying. Somehow, within the two weeks of actually coming into a thing called Alcoholics Anonymous and beginning the program, not just sitting in the fellowship, but actually doing the program, the obsession to drink and drug had been lifted from me. And that was 17 years ago, and the obsession has never returned since. That's just... I, I, I hear people all the time talking about relapse, you know, and it's like relapse, and he, he relapsed because he had alcoholic thinking and he had alcoholic behavior, and we're all just a bunch of fruitcakes in here, and we're just all sick people, and we're all powerless over people, places, and things, and I'm going to puke because none of that is in the big book. None of that is in the big book. You know why I relapsed for seven years? It wasn't because I didn't want it, because there was times I absolutely wanted to stay sober. I needed to stay sober. You know why I didn't stay sober? I would not follow directions. I would not do what the book asked me to do. We have a 100% fatal illness called alcoholism and drug addiction, and it's also 100% recoverable. Everybody that follows the directions gets sober and stays sober. The people that don't, don't. It's just that simple. That's my experience. These guys weren't going to sit around and watch me die. They said, no, you're going to do this work. I don't want to do a four-step. <laughs> we don't particularly want to hear it either, but you need to do it. You need to do it. You know what I've been in AA seven years and never worked any of the steps. I'm in AA for two weeks and I've worked half the steps. Pretty cool deal, huh? That's absolute miracle. They had me working with others pronto, pronto, and it's been the absolute biggest blessing of my life. The book says that the, that, the, that the entire purpose of the program is to get us connected to a power that can change our lives. That's why it drives me crazy. If you'll read the steps when we read how it works, it says we were powerless over alcohol. only place in the book that it uses the word powerless is around alcohol, and it's past tense. We're powerless over people, places, and things. Stop it. Quit saying that. That's, that's crap. That's not true. We're some awful, powerful people. When you take alcoholism out of the way as a recovered individual, we are, we are absolutely, the book says we are spearheads of God's ever advancing creation. That's where we need to be. We need to stop representing ourselves as a fellowship of a bunch of sick people coming in here helping each other stay sober. We just stop. This is a spiritual program of action. You want to get on a program? You want to get on a, on a playing field with us? Come in here. Get, get a book and let's start doing the work. Or you want to just sit in and talk about your crappy day one more time? See, i got to tell you something, folks. I've said this from a podium a lot here lately. I, and I, I, it's, it's, it's a point that I think we all need to see. There's a difference between knowing God's will and doing God's will. I knew God wanted me sober. I knew he wanted me to make some changes. But I wouldn't get off my butt and do what I could do to make that happen. Make sense? Three weeks ago, tomorrow night, three weeks ago, member of my home group 
had relapsed a few months before and, and was in and out, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stay, and, and was at home drinking. A uh, bunch of guys I sponsored went over and tried to 12-step him, and he dusted them, said, they had him lined up to go back into another detox, and uh, they went to a meeting and came back over to get him, to, to get him ready to go to this detox, and he had uh, shot himself. The next day, they told me about it, and we called the family, and um, they were coming down the next day to take care of business, funeral arrangements and stuff. And um, so me and, uh, again, a couple of guys I sponsor and, and a couple of guys he sponsored, we went over to the apartment to clean it up. Uh, figured it was the least we could do not to let the family walk in and see that mess. I want you all to try to get this. You know, it, it was a mess. And that's not what I wake in the middle of the night still thinking about. The blood was bad. We had to trash the couch. We had to cut the carpet up down to the concrete. It was, that's not what got me. I've seen that before. When I walked into that apartment, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. Because that was my apartment 17 years ago. Can y'all get it? Bills stacked to here, clothes everywhere, bottles laying everywhere, ashtrays overflowing, no furniture, no plants, no pets, no pictures, no art, no, no nothing. But, but sadness. But absolute sadness. And this man didn't have to die. Nobody should have to go like that. This is where my passion comes from. Sometimes we get so far away from a drink, we think we, we forget the pain that we were in. I don't want anybody to ever have to do that. And we will continue to do that. We need to get back on a page. We need to start reading the literature. We need to understand that God gets us sober and keeps us sober. Sobriety is for keeps. It is not fleeting. I want to read you something and let you out of here, guys. I, uh, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the stories in the back of the book. I, uh, there's some great stuff back there. But it's, 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 good, it's good stuff. Yes. No. Um. No, I believe an alcoholic's butt lasts an hour, and I'm pushing it. Um, okay. I need to go pee, too, so that's it. I know. There's a, there's a, there's a, y'all got me sidetracked. There's a story in the back of the book called Me and Alcoholic. I'm not sure if it's still in the fourth edition or not, but this was in the third edition for sure. Me and Alcoholic. It says, after talking with him a while, I heard myself say, Doc, I think I'm an alcoholic. He said, yes. And surprisingly, he says, he said, you are. He said, then why in God's name haven't you told me so during all these years? He said, two reasons. First, I couldn't be sure. The line between a heavy drinker and an alcoholic is not always clear. Y'all with that? Because a heavy drinker looks a lot like an alcoholic. We drink a lot, but a heavy drinker, given sufficient reason, can quit. 
And he kept waiting for this guy to quit on his own. Couldn't. I wasn't sure until lately. Um, I couldn't draw the conclusion. Second, you wouldn't have believed me even if I told you so. And that's the truth. Nobody's going to believe they're an alcoholic coming out of somebody else's mouth. This is a self-diagnosed deal. I can tell you all day long you're an alcoholic, but until you're convinced to your innermost self, you're not going to do this work. You're not going to succumb to the, to, the, to the process. I had to admit to myself he was right. Only through being beaten down and out of my own misery would I ever have accepted the term alcoholic as applied to myself. Now, however, I accepted it fully. I knew from my general reading that alcoholism was irreversible and fatal. I knew that somewhere along the line I'd lost the power to stop drinking. Well, Doc, what are we going to do about it? There's nothing I can do. Nothing medicine can do. However, I've heard of an organization called Alcoholics Anonymous that has some success for people like you. They make no guarantees and are not always successful. But if you want, you're free to try them. It might work. Many times in the intervening years, I have thanked God for that man. A man that had the courage to admit failure. A man who had the humility to confess all his hard-won learning of his profession could not turn up the answer I looked for. I went to an AA meeting alone. Just exactly what happened to me. Here I found an ingredient that I had been lacking in any other effort I had made to save myself. Here was power! Exclamation point. You with me? Didn't say here was sobriety. Here was power. Here was power to live to the end of my given day. Power to have courage to face the next day. Power to have friends. Power to help people. Power to be sane. Power to stay sober. That was seven years ago and many AA meetings ago. And I haven't had a drink during those seven years. Moreover, I am deeply convinced that so long as I continue to strive in my bumbling way towards the principles I first encountered in the earlier chapters of this book, this remarkable power will continue to flow through me. What is this power? With AA friends, all I can say is that it's a power greater than myself. If pressed further, all I can do is follow the psalmist who said it long, long before me. Be still. Know that I am God. Here's the piece I want you to see. My story has a happy ending, but not the conventional kind. I had a lot more hell to go through. But what a difference there is between going through hell without a power greater than oneself and with it. As might have been predicted, my teetering tower of worldly success collapsed. My alcoholic associates fired me, took control, and ran the enterprise into bankruptcy. My alcoholic wife took up with someone else and divorced me and took with her all the remaining property. The most terrible blow of my life befell me after I'd found sobriety through AA. Perhaps the single flicker of decency that shone through the fog of my drinking days was a clumsy affection for my two children, a boy and a girl. One night, my son, when he was only 16, was suddenly and tragically killed. The higher power was on deck to see me through sober. I think he's on hand to see my son through too. I think he's on hand to see all of us through whatever may come. I didn't hear this for seven years in Alcoholics Anonymous. I heard enough chicken, you know what, one-liners to fill a stadium. I heard a lot of opinions from people that should have known better but didn't. One step a year. You'll always be recovering. You can never recover. 
Take a bubble bath when you get stressed out. We have got more clean women in this fellowship. Dying, dying of untreated alcoholism, miserable inside. Can you all get down what I'm saying? All I ever wanted in my life was to feel a part of something. And I used to come into the fellowship and I could feel a part up to a certain extent. But when I started working the program, I started really feeling what this was about. And I gained some power in my life to do the cool things I always wanted to go do. It's t- this is how we're going to pull the newcomer with a vision to stay here. This is about going out and getting the good job. Not the crappy job that you hate. The good job. This is about taking care of your health. Paying your stupid bills. Taking care of your legal problems. You're down with that? It's about painting pictures. It's about creating music. It's about doing the cool things that we always wanted to go do and couldn't because we had a a fatal illness. Those are the things that need to be shared to pull the newcomer with a vision. And we'll keep more young adults in our fellowship. We'll keep more women in our fellowship. And that's what we need. I got to say it, I end a lot like this, folks. A lot of people want to blame treatment centers for the problems that we're having in our fellowships today. All of our fellowships are having troubles. I'm going to tell you point blank. The treatment centers have done some damage to us by watering down the message. I can still go to meetings today in this country. was in one not long ago up in uh, Illinois and listen to somebody share about their inner child. Buddy, I'm going to tell you something. That is some crap. Where did it come from? It came from treatment centers. I'm with you. My question is, I said it at the beginning of this talk, who looked the other way while the person continued to share that in meetings? I did. I did. Because I didn't want to get in the middle of it and offend somebody. One of the problems that we have is that we have meeting formats that are not conducive to work in the 12 steps. We have meeting formats that encourage the newcomer and old-timer alike to come in and talk about nothing but their day. If a newcomer comes in and he's having a bad day, I'm going to cut him some slack and let him go for a bit. You with us? Share. But I'm going to also encourage after the meeting that he comes before the meeting and stay after the meeting and let's talk about that. But during the meeting, we're going to talk about the solution to alcoholism. We have a meeting schedule in my home group that absolutely says, states in the preamble, we are not here as a dumping ground for your problems. Alcoholics Anonymous is not therapy. Therapy is good. Therapy is therapy. Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program of action. And this is grinding some of you. You know why it is? Because everybody in here has done it, including myself. Walk in, I'm not having a good day. Let's share about it. Everybody talks about it. You leave feeling better. Why shouldn't you? You just puked all over the table. And now we're going to spend the rest of the hour cleaning it up. But our primary purpose of helping somebody stay sober is missed. You with us? They always follow it. They do it everywhere. They always follow it with this. But Chris, don't you understand? If they don't talk about that problem, they're going to leave with that problem and they might drink. (laughs) They're going to drink anyway. The only way that they're not going to drink is if they have a spiritual experience. But we never got around to telling them how to have a spiritual experience. Because we were too busy trying to play junior therapy. Or junior lawyer. Or junior doctor. You with us? We need a few more spiritual mentors, folks. And a few less junior therapists. Down with that? 
We need to go back into our meetings. We need to go to group conscience. We need to change the formats. 1,500 meetings in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and there's 25 literature-based meetings. That's a tragedy. Y'all understand? Let me translate that for you. If you want to come into a place where you're guaranteed to hear some solution, you've got 25 places to find it in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If you want to talk about the stupid divorce one more time, you've got 1,500 places to go talk about it. (laughs) We're off the page. Let's go find some power. Let's be happy, joyous, and free like the book talked about. Let's experience the gifts, the promises, the tenth-step promises of being taken to a place of neutrality, safe and protected. Let's do that. And let's not forget our legacy. Let's not forget the responsibility that was given us 70 years ago to continue to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you all for having me. Bless you. (laughs)